Oh, here we go. Dirty Thursday. We're GFBS. We're Grand Forks' best source. On the show today, Terry Blacklance, along with Aaron Blacklance. Chad Hoff, the other half of the Bullring Boys, couldn't make it today. And uh, we're going to talk more about my shirt here in a little bit, too. Today's Dirty Thursday show brought to you by Executive Properties. These are the guys that can do all types of commercial and residential work. I mean, let them get it done for you the right way. Kitchens, bathrooms, doors, siding, concrete, cabinets, trim, tile. I mean, they do it all. They do it all. And they're going to take the time to listen to what you want done. They're going to do it right. Tons of experience. Barry Romo and those guys, over 30 years worth. And man, they can take care of you. Got some great senior and referral discounts. Willing to work with any budget. You know, for any of your general contractor needs, call them up. Executive Properties, 701-330-1273. Go to their website. Got some great pictures there at executiveproperties.org. You can see some of their work. And check out their reviews on Facebook and Google. And by the way, uh, we don't have snow yet. But it's coming, I guarantee it. Executive Properties does snow removal, too. Here you one-stop company that can do it all. I know these guys some great work at Executive Properties right here in Grand Forks. <clears throat> well, if you have any questions today for uh, myself or Terry or Aaron Blacklands, make sure you call us or text us. 701-213-0863, our number. Uh, 701-213-0863. Uh, again, our phone number. And, and I don't really have uh, a joke my neighbor tells me today, but... I do kind of have a little thought. Uh, you guys ever notice uh, how NASCAR fans just go so nuts when it's three-ride racing? Mm-hmm. Isn't that cute? <laughs> you know? All right, there's my thought for the day. Uh, Aaron Blacklance, Terry Blacklance, welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for having us, John. Okay, that's enough of the applause. Um, you made the trip from Thief River. I appreciate that, uh, you guys. Uh, I know it's not easy pulling a guy away from his job and everything, and um, that's one of the reasons we're going to change this show to Fridays next year. But um, tell us a little bit about the shirt first that I'm wearing here. Well, that's your uh, official pit crew T-shirt, crew shirt. That that is sweet. Yeah, that's what our guys, uh, our one guy, <laughs> our one pit crew guy, yeah, wore all year, and and we bought several of them at the beginning of the year, and. Fits you perfect. So. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I went from the XL to the double XL, which fits me even more perfect. But um, it's kind of funny how I'm not getting any smaller with age. Uh, first off, Aaron, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. So I am from Thief River Falls, Minnesota, as you mentioned. Uh, 27 years old. I work full-time for Fastenal Company in Thief River Falls. Um, I also have a side business, which I'm sure we'll probably talk about today, mm-hmm. which keeps me plenty involved with racing and motorsports. Um, I am not married yet, but I've got a significant other. You're getting there. And, uh, and I think she loves racing probably more than I do. How important is that? Oh, it's huge. I mean, it's most women involved with racing, racing wives. They usually know what they're getting into before they say the I do's or you you go out and get married. But, um, that's pretty important, isn't it? Absolutely. And and I'm sure your dad's going to say the same thing. Terry, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm I'm Terry Blacklance. I've been uh, I'm I'm from Thief River. I'm owner of uh, Fast Graphics U-Haul on Thief River Falls, along with uh, Racers Motorsports Consignment. And uh, I've been in the racing scene since I was 15. Mm-hmm. I'm 54 now. I've raced for 35 plus years. I uh, raced just about everything there is, except for a sprint car. And the only reason I didn't race a sprint car is because I, I couldn't fit. So. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you and I first met, uh, was it radio? 
Is that how we first met? Yeah, I, I believe think so. I think so. Uh, you're an old radio guy. Mm-hmm. Um, did you get your start with demo cars before you started racing? Because for some reason, because that's when we were all building demo cars. Because yeah. if you won the Pennington County Fair Demolition Derby, it was like winning the Indy 500 back then, you know. But yeah. um, I, I, I remember you. And what was it maybe your brother or, or another son or something were building demo cars back yep. in the day? Yeah, probably my brother. Is, is that kind of got what you aimed you or steered you towards racing? I uh, no, um, it probably got got me started. But I've had interest in racing. My my uncle used to race in Bemidji hmm. back in the '60s, and yep. he had a Edsel '64 Edsel that he raced and wow, and uh, put many miles on that track in Bemidji. And I remember going to the racetrack with him. You know, five years old, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, back then when they talked about the pits, I envisioned the middle of the racetrack being just a pit. Yeah, you know, just an open <laughs> black pit that you'd fall into. But uh, yeah, I've been around racing since I was probably three, four years old. Okay, did get my start in uh, in racing in Warren. Mm-hmm. Um, they had the demolition derbies first off, and then at one time they went to demo car racing. Mm-hmm. That's probably when I got my foot. In the door there. Okay. But my first time in a demo car was, uh, I, was I was 13 years old, 14 years old, and I, Mike Baird um, from Warren built, or had my dad build demo cars for him all the time. Okay. And uh, we were at the demo one day, and Mike didn't do very well in the heat, and he asked me, he said, I'm going to put you in the car for the Grand Slam, and and uh, so I, I did, and they I couldn't keep my foot on the clutch, so they <laughs> duct taped my Put to the clutch, and <laughs> so I got my start there, demoing, and then demo racing, and then uh, started in Grand Forest. Gosh, back in the early '80s, I mm-hmm. guess, racing in the hobby stock division. Um, we're going to get back to you and, and your start, but um, just want to give a shout out to some of the people watching: Kevin Pappenfuss, Samantha Joe, uh, Jennifer. Uh, good morning to you all from Kevin. Mike Schultz watching. Hey, thanks, Mike. Uh, Casey, Jamie, David, Brendan, Ben, Wade, Casey. Ruth Ann, what does this say here? Marshall County Fair Demo Derby was pretty awesome, too. Well, thanks, Ruth Ann. Um, back, getting back to Marshall County, uh, was Don Jorstead the announcer back then? Yeah, I think he did some, but a lot of it was, um, uh, oh, gosh, what was his name? Uh, he just passed away a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, from, I... From KCNN. Oh, um, um, yeah, uh, uh <laughs> Dwayne. Dwayne Sandin. Dwayne Sandin, yeah. How, how do you forget Dwayne Sandin? I know. How can you forget Dwayne yeah. Sandin? But Don, uh, Don and Dwayne worked uh, quite a bit, I guess, mm-hmm. alternating type of thing. Okay, because I know Don uh, drug me up to the oh, Warren, yeah. or Warren racetrack a couple of times to do some work with him. Uh, Don Jorsted, God bless him, um, he's the one that first took me on the road when I started doing football games and basketball games. But the one thing that I always give Don credit for is I know where every American Legion club is in northwestern Minnesota because Don Jorstead knew where all of them were. Uh, Ruth Ann says, I'm sure I saw Terry at the Warren Demo Derby a time or two. Terry graduated uh, with my little brother. And I don't remember. I don't know what her maiden name is. But, um, oh, Nichols. Oh, okay. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There we go. Um, Your first car, race car, what class? Do you remember the car? Because... In the history of you racing, I mean, I have seen you in many, many different cars. But do you remember that first car? I do. It was a 64 Chevy Impala four-door. Okay. With a 327. Yeah. Uh, power glide transmission. Um, that car was, uh, we built it, my dad and I, and a, a friend of ours that uh, was a welder, we thought. <laughs> <laughs> because uh, I remember racing one night in Grand Forks, and uh, 
I went off turn three, mm-hmm. and you know how steep those things oh, yeah. are. When I hit the ground off of turn three, the front of my roll cage fell down. <laughs> and uh, so I finished the race with just the two back piece of the roll cage. <laughs> and the front roll cage was laying on the dash for wow. the most part. So. You ever win a race with that car? Yeah. You did, huh? Yeah, I won several in Warren. Mm-hmm. I actually raced uh, Brian Strand. He had a late model at that time. And uh, one year, I don't know why, Warren had few cars show up for the fair race and the late models were supposed to be there and brian strand was there and then there were us hobby stock guys and they put us all in heats together so i got to race my hobby stock against brian strand's yeah late model at that time how'd that go um i didn't get lapped no <laughs> well that's good so that's that's good it was fun we parked next to each other and and uh, yeah it was good okay yeah. uh, by the way uh tammy says hello Tammy Blacklands, oh, okay. you know her? Okay. Uh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> uh, Marvin says, morning, guys. Tell Terry, come back racing the Forks. Oof. Yeah, someday, maybe. Maybe? Maybe. Uh, all right. We'll, I we'll got to get my hip fixed first. Okay. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. When you, I turn 54, well, I'm 54 now. I'll be 55. And uh, my hip has seen better years. Yeah. So right I'm, now. I'm looking at uh, purchasing a new pair of knees myself. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let's, let's give Aaron a little spotlight here. Um, it's pretty obvious how you got your start, but, uh, have you been like hooked on racing ever since just following the old man around? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I'm always told that I was born and then about two weeks later we were at our first race mm-hmm. and I, and I slept through the whole thing. So, um, <laughs> from a very young age, I've, I've always been around it and obviously helped my dad, uh, from, from as long as I could, could walk and, and crawl and was, you know, grabbing tools and, and helping out as best I can. So I've been, I've been hooked since birth. So you knew from the time you were a little kid that you were going to be uh, piloting at a race car one of these years, right? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, and what was your first car? What was your first class that you started in? So the, the first class that we actually owned a car that I raced in uh, was the Wasota Street Stocks. Okay. So I, I got my start right in, in a Wasota Street Stock, and that was 11 years ago now. 11 years. And now you, well, you do double duty quite often, don't you? Yeah, yeah. So, so you're running a Wasota Midwest Mod. Yep. And you still run a street stock. Yes, that's correct. Got a favorite of the two? I I think like most race car drivers, we've got a need for speed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the B mod goes faster. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say that I probably like that more. But as far as, you know, the camaraderie and, and a lot of the drivers in the street stock class and obviously growing up racing a street stock or, or starting in the street stock, mm-hmm. I've got a lot of love in my heart for that class as well. So um, I, I like them both, but but obviously I want to go fast, so... You know, you, um, Aaron, are all over the place. Uh, you don't just race River City Speedway. Uh, name the tracks that you're at probably on a weekly basis. So most consistently, uh, Norman County Raceway in Ada, Minnesota. I haven't missed a race there in probably five years now. They race on Thursdays. Um, Fridays, it has been mainly Grand Forks the last uh, five years, but we're not afraid to travel to Fergus Falls or, mm-hmm. or anywhere else on a Friday. Um, Saturday we race Greenbush, Minnesota, and, and they typically have a shorter season run Memorial to Labor Day. So early in the year, we'll go to Devil's Lake or anywhere else that's, you know, got nice weather early. Mm-hmm. And then Sundays, um, typically Bemidji is, is closest for me, Yep. but we have gone up to Morden, Manitoba a few times as well you're, or, or Lisbon. You're busy. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Joshua says, this is to Terry. Uh, let's see. Thought the series ended before I started racing. I always thought that NOPA sanctioned was a great concept and it helped the racers from the Northern area get extra recognition. Thank you, Terry. Uh, Chad Hoff, 
by the way, is watching along with Ryan, Corey, Dave. Uh, oh, wow. A lot of people watching. Now, uh, Terry, for you, uh, you're one of the guys that it, it never surprises me from year to year to year because you like to change things up a little bit. Um, how many different color schemes, things like that, do you think you've had on race cars? Because there's some guys, they're going to leave their car basically the same. Might tweak it a little bit because they're the superstition or whatever, but um, it seemed like every year at the beginning of the year, you always had a surprise. Yeah, I, I, I like to change things up. Number one, I don't like to be noticed. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> I don't want people to get used to something and expect something out of me. So you know, if I change my, my look a little bit, uh, that's good. But yeah, I like to pe- keep people guessing. I like to try to do things, do new things. And uh, you know, when you're in the graphics business, that's important too, is to always you know, test the waters. Yep. See what it's like. So that's what I do with my stuff is I try to test the waters, see if it catches on. And, and it has actually, believe it or not. Uh, yeah. You know, a lot of the guys, you look at your shirt, a lot of cars over the past 15 years have looked sort of like that. But now, mm-hmm. we're, now we're getting back to pinstripes and solid colors. Yep. That kind of thing. And we kind of started that with Aaron's cars here a couple of years ago. And I don't know if we're the trendsetters or not, but mm-hmm. you know, we like to try things different. So. Well, you know, how different is it now than uh, you can vinyl wrap a car compared to back in the day when it was all painted? Yeah. And uh, if you messed up a quarter panel or a door panel or something, you're thinking to yourself, oh, my gosh, that, that's a lot of work. Not so bad now, and especially with what you guys are doing. I, I suppose you've got plenty of extra body panels and parts <laughs> laying around. Um, one thing you mentioned, Terry, is you like to try different things and do different things. And that's kind of your outlook in life in general. Um, were you, you know, it's been so long since I've, I've been back to Thief River or living in Thief River. But were you, were you city council at I one was, time? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What made you decide to go into politics for Pete's sakes? Uh, stupidity, probably. Yeah. No, actually, I, I, I've always wanted to be involved. I'm not a guy to sit back and just watch things happen. I, I believe if you have a voice and you want it heard, you got to get involved. So mm-hmm. I, it's a civic duty, I thought. And uh, I was at that age. Our, our kids were at home, and and I figured I better get it out of out of the way early. So that's what I did. But yeah, I've been on city council. Yeah, yeah. Yep. It, did did you run for another term, or did you just say that's enough? Uh, I actually did run for another term, um, but we decided that we were going to move out in the country. We moved okay. south of the river about midway through, so I kind of backed off and. I did go through with the election, but at that point, it didn't matter if I won or lost because mm-hmm. I knew we were moving anyway. Okay. So. Uh, I remember when you were doing a, a racing radio show, mm-hmm. and I remember when you called me, and I was just freaked out because uh, I'd been at the River City Speedway for a few years at that time, and, and I thought it was an honor. It's like, oh, Terry Blacklands is calling me to be on the show. And, and if I remember right, I might have been standing on my deck or something uh, when you called me, but... Um, I thought that was great. Um, cool. Kind of hard to do a racing show, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's not easy for mm-hmm. sure. And you're doing a great job here, boy. I like I told you when we came in. I, this is what I dreamed of the whole time I did my show, but uh, just never made it happen. Didn't have, didn't have Paul around. So. Yeah, Paul, the producer, does a great <laughs> job. I uh, got some more here. Let's see. This is from uh, let's see, Amanda, Chad. Sure, miss your face and comments on the show, Chad. Somebody misses you out there. Lance, do you know you're on a Grand Forks, British Columbia, Canada group, don't you? Didn't know that. Well, that's kind of cool. They're watching us all the way up in BC now. Um, Aaron, you had a, a fantastic year this year. Uh, explain how, how it went, because I, I know I saw something on social media, and I know you corrected me about it because we were talking about it one day on the show, but 
what was that all about again? Is that top Minnesota finishers, or how would that go? And I think that was in the B mod, wasn't it? Yeah. So this year, with with no national points being awarded, um, they decided to still do state points. Mm-hmm. So only the races in a certain state, you know, accumulate towards that point total. Um, and I spent most of my time racing in Minnesota this year, so mm-hmm. I ended up uh, third overall in the B mods in the state of Minnesota. Now that's good. I mean. Do you normally run? Do you try to run for national points? I mean, I would imagine you do, or is it not that big of a thing for you? I don't know. Um, when people ask me, I, I say that I don't typically run for national points, but I put on enough shows to where you know I could I could probably run. I know that I don't have enough money to you know always be putting on the best of the best parts on my car, uh, and obviously traveling expenses are, are tough as well. So um, I think it would be cool to to say that I'm trying mm-hmm. to, to run for national points. Realistically, if I could win. Um, it's, it's probably tougher for me. Look at a guy like Brock Gronwald this year in, yeah. in Minnesota who had 20 plus feature wins. So if I, if I did that, you know, and had 20 plus feature wins, I, I probably wouldn't care about national points. I'd just be happy that I had 20 wins. Mm-hmm. So I think racing a lot and, and, and traveling and, and winning obviously sets you up for doing well in national points, but I wouldn't say that I've necessarily made it a goal to, to try to win national points. Okay. Uh, Terry, you still have that, uh, late model laying around. I do actually. I I have a driver. That's okay, in, in the late model. Uh, is it the same guy driving from last year? Uh, yeah, Ryan Dahl. Okay, Ryan Dahl. And um, you ever think about getting back into a late model? Or if you got I, back into it, what would what would you jump into? I don't care. Yeah, just anything that can <laughs> go fast. I've got uh, at at home right now. I still have a IMCA Sport mod that we have in the shop that could be put together. I've got a couple of street stocks. Aaron just finished up the body on my last street stock uh, this past week. And I and the late model, I've actually thought you know Ryan at some point is going to need an update, or if Aaron get, gets into the late model, we're going to have to update a little bit. So um, I'd like to have a couple late models, I guess, and maybe mm-hmm. hop in one from time to time. Ryan said I could get in last year if I wanted to, but you know it was a weird season, and uh, my hip just didn't feel well enough, so I, I hadn't. But I have a dream of getting back. I'd love to get back in a late model again. It was fun. Is it hard for you to sit in the stands and watch racing because you're always, especially if Aaron's racing, you're usually at the track, or I know you are in Grand Forks. Is it hard to sit back and be a spectator? It is hard, but what helps me is that I, you know, obviously I have an investment mm-hmm. you know, in Aaron stuff. You know, he's my kid, and I, you know, I, I enjoy watching him out there. And then Ryan, that's my car, so. That helps out a lot, having you know that connection that way. I, could, I don't think I could sit in the stands and not be an owner mm-hmm. or not have a son that I have racing. Yeah. So it would be tough that way. I tried it one time about 10 years ago, 12 years ago. I quit, retired, and went to Greenbush the first opening night and sat way up in the grandstand on the top, top seat level and smell of the fuel and the, hear the roaring engines and the announcer and all that stuff. I went home that night and I tossed and turned all night, sweat, and uh, <laughs> and actually, crazy thing is, is that that uh, Craigslist was just starting about that time, mm-hmm. and uh, I got up in the middle of the night, got on the computer, looked at Craigslist, and found uh, two race cars that I thought maybe I could get into, and uh, when my wife got up in the morning, I said, uh, "What are we doing today?" And she said, "Why?" And I said, "Do you want to go to Rochester?" She goes, what's in Rochester? And I said, uh, just a trip. And she goes, we're going to get a race car, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. so, so we went. We went down to Crosby, Minnesota, looked at a car there, went down to Rochester. 
The one in Rochester didn't work, went back up to Crosby, made an offer on the car, and uh, the guy accepted it. I said, okay, I'll be back this weekend, and I'll come pick it up. He says, why don't you take it today? And I said, well, I, I don't have my trailer with. <laughs> mm-hmm. And he goes, oh, well, that price includes the trailer. Oh. So I ended up with the trailer, too, and brought it home. And I don't, oh. know, if I I don't know if I would have went back and got it if I, yeah. if I yeah. didn't get the trailer. I was so. going to say, uh, what was the hint when you were hooking up to the trailer when you were going to go for a little road <laughs> trip to Rochester? I need to take just a quick break here. Uh, you know, if you want uh, continuous protection to any indoor space, contact Pure Mist Total Indoor Environment Protection. Uh, their multifaceted process uses advanced technologies to destroy contaminants in the air and on surfaces. In fact, Pure Mist can protect homes, businesses, I mean, fitness clubs, retail stores, clinics, classrooms, childcare centers, hotels, pretty much everything. Now, this is the apex of indoor environment protection. Destroying surface and airborne microbes, including viruses, bacteria, mold, fungi, allergens, and odors. And Active Peer is an FDA-tested and approved technology to reduce and eliminate SARS and COV-2. That's the virus that causes COVID-19. You know what? We are now protected here at Grand Fork's Best Source by Pure Mist. Uh, maybe you should do the same. Get protection, all right? Call Chad at 763-229-7969 or go to puremistcode.com. Protection of every second of every day, 365 days a year. Pure Mist Total Indoor Environment Protection. Clean spaces, healthy people. Uh, back with Terry Blacklance and Aaron Blacklance. Uh, let's see here. We got uh, Eddie Scott Iverson. Good morning, guys. Best day ever just listening to two racing, racing guys. Uh, let's see. Jennifer, I would possibly do a powder puff race in the late model. Hmm. Would you ever be willing to let somebody get in your late model in a powder puff race? Yeah, I would. Would you? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know, one thing about you, Terry, um, you were never, at least from my experience and watching you race uh, over the years, um, you were never considered a dirty driver. Um, I think you guys, uh, you took care. You're, You're not rich. You don't have an unlimited budget. And I think a lot of your driving style has rubbed off on Aaron. Uh do you did you pride yourself on, on not being one of those guys? Because the re- reason I ask, there was a, a, a stretch of time there with the B mods where you never knew what was going to happen. I mean, it might take you a half hour to get a, a ten lap heat race in or whatever. But um, everybody seems to be a little better now. But did, did you think of yourself as a clean race car driver? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I, I pride myself that mm-hmm. there might have been times where guys maybe didn't think that but, mm-hmm. but i think generally in my 35 plus years of racing that uh that I was pretty clean yeah and what about you <laughs> same way you consider yourself clean or not yeah i think so i mean at the end of the day we're racing full-size stock cars so uh stuff's gonna happen on the track but nobody wants to work on their car mm-hmm. you know all week long and and pounding out tin every single night gets old so mm-hmm. I think for the for the most part, people want to be clean drivers. Okay, um, you ever think about moving up to the late model or anything like that? I know because I was bugging you. I think when you first were messing around with the late model, I kind of thought you were setting him up, and so I know I, I was in your ear a few times, and you really didn't have much to say about it. But are, are you getting that itch to move up to a bigger class or not? Yeah, I think so. Um, I've always been a firm believer in, in, in racing what you can afford and then also, you know, doing well in, in a certain class before a guy mm-hmm. moves up. You see a lot of people, you know, race a street stock for a year and then all of a sudden they're in a late model and, and, and lose interest because they're not doing well or having good results. 
Um, I think everybody who, who races probably wants to do well or has that, you know, that, that competitive nature in them. So I, I want to feel accomplished before I move up to the next class. And then we also have to look at, you know, what class makes sense based on geography, where I'm at, where I can race and, mm-hmm. and what we want to do there. So uh, moving up is definitely something that I've, I've talked about the last few years. Um, I think moving to the B mod class kind of set me up to eventually go to an A mod at some point. Mm-hmm. And obviously he, he got a late model. And so that was talked about as well, but, um, still haven't made any decisions yet. I guess we'll just kind of have to see what happens. Well, you know, you had that little list there. And, uh, one of the things, uh, was what you've accomplished and you have accomplished a lot in both the street stock and the B mod. Yeah, I, I would say so. How many, how many wins feature wins do you have? Do you know? Uh, yeah, we, we tallied it probably a year or so ago, and it's uh, 56 now total wow. between the Wasota Street and Wasota B-Mud. Yep. Uh, can you top that, Terry? No. No? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I never – when I raced, I, I wasn't um, – I didn't have the funds to do it mm-hmm. or you know, to be real competitive. I was just there to be a, a fill-in type of guy. Go have fun. Yep, until I got in the street stock. When I got back in, then I got a little more serious and – little more competitive but i always have had things coming out of my pocket mm-hmm. and i wasn't one of those guys that was willing to risk that one spot to get yep. a feature win uh there was a time back in in the uh early 2000s where i had uh i think 24 straight top fives in the street stock class and then the next year i followed it up with 27 straight top wow. fives a lot of them were second place to mm-hmm. really good drivers like jim Geringer, sure and, uh, ryan flayton and guys like that but I was never, I was never a, a big feature winner. I was just happy to be in the top five, and yeah. and that's the way it is today. I, I tell my driver uh, Ryan Dahl that uh, I don't need him to go out and win me features. I just want him to go out and have fun first off, and then do do the best he can. And if we get a top ten, we're happy with that. Come off the track, load the car clean, and we're ready to go for the next week. So you know that that reminds me, um, Mark Dobmeyer on the show one time, and I, I asked him about um, you know when they when they give you the the bonus to start at the back. And he flat out told me, he goes, you know what? He goes, that extra thousand bucks or whatever is great, but is it worth tearing up a rear end or is it worth ruining this to win an extra thousand dollars when that rear end cost me 3,500 or whatever the number was? So, I mean, I get that. Uh, Again, unlimited funds, it might be a different deal. Right. Just tires themselves. Yeah. You know, now are 130, 140 bucks a piece and you can burn those off easily in one race. Yeah. So, um, what do you like driving better? I mean, I asked you this before, but do you really, are they that even for you? Or are, if, I guess my, my question would be, because I'm going to keep bugging you about this late model thing. Um, have, you, have you gone and raced the late model yet? Yeah, we have. And how many times have you been in the seat of that thing? Uh, three times. And how did it go? He tried probably five. Okay. Well, I, <laughs> I would say I felt comfortable, and, and I, I don't think I was... Uh, out of control or it wasn't a hazard on the track but we had mechanical failures all three times that i raced it oh so just just some bad luck silly silly stuff yeah yeah um you guys ever have your little in-house arguments who who was the better driver or who is the better driver or anything like that or i mean it's it's kind of nice for one thing watching your son race but do you look at it as kind of reliving your youth a little bit too watching him out there yeah i think so yeah, there's uh, I, there's a lot of things that I learned in my 35 plus years of racing that I try to give him. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'll, I'll step back and I'll say 
uh, right now that he has become a much better driver since he's been more aggressive. Mm-hmm. Um, when he first started out, he was not maybe the most aggressive driver there was. And uh, you could see that once we told him to drive harder the way he should be, he's, he's been pretty good. And, and when you talk about aggressive, I remember when I first met you, you were a real quiet talker. Uh, you, if, I didn't know you were there. You wouldn't even know you were there. And you kind of like to, well, you're kind of like him. You'd, you'd just as soon probably not have all the notoriety or be noticed. Yeah, I think for the most part, I'm, I'm typically a quieter individual um, and don't always love large crowds. But I think as I've gotten older and, and my professional career, you know, requires me to be a little more outgoing. So mm-hmm. I think that's helped. Okay. Uh, let's I have see. a question for you. So you said, you know, going up in classes and getting comfortable before you, you move up. Um, so when, uh, I mean, if somebody goes from like, I don't ever see really people going from like a late model to a sprint is like sprint, like a totally different type of driving experience. I mean, I don't, I'm new to this whole race thing. So, yeah, I I always say sprint car guys are kind of a a breed of their own, you know, even, even just the, the tires and, and everything about a sprint car is different compared to what we're used to a late model is a little, you know, different from a B mod and a street stock, but I just think they're they're so so different in the mechanics of them that, you know. And just a sprint car, I, I mean, I think those guys spend more time turning right than they turn left. Yeah, they do. Yeah, so, you know that's that's something that you got to get used to. I mean, we turn left also in our classes, but that's not the way you want to race a car in mm-hmm. our divisions anyway. Um, the one thing that gets me about a sprint car is having that drive shaft right between your legs. Mm-hmm. That is something that is always. I would just be too nervous. I mean. You wear a nut cup while you're <laughs> under your fire suit at the same time, although I don't know what good that would do. Uh, let's see here. Kevin Pappenfuss says, Terry was always one of the cleanest drivers. Scott Iverson, it's a nice shirt you're wearing. I know it is. Uh, Casey, Aaron should race a little dirtier to sell more bodies. Just smart business. <laughs> uh, street Stock Tour. Terry was great to visit with while we were in the early stages of setting up the 2020 Street Stock Tour. Great guy. Ideas and fun to talk with. Thank you, and I believe that is from Benji. Okay. That makes sense. All right. All right. Uh, Biggest win for you, Aaron. Do you have one? Uh, Yeah, I think I do. Uh, Obviously, everybody who who races um, can remember their first win as being probably pretty memorable, and I I put that one up there pretty high on my list. But I have to go back to my first win in Grand Forks Mm -hmm. in the street stocks. I think it was my third year, maybe. Um, didn't, didn't win a whole lot and didn't race a whole lot my first few years. And actually my dad wouldn't let me go to Grand Forks my rookie year. Okay. I was, I was 15 years old and, and he thought it was too fast and, mm-hmm. and too dangerous for me. So I didn't race a whole lot there, but my, my first win in Grand Forks was the fair race. Okay. Oh yeah. And, um, I know the format has changed quite a bit over the years, but at that point that year, uh, the street stocks were the only class that was a regular mm-hmm. on a Friday night that got to race at yep. the fair race. Um, so they actually let the street stocks run last, which I thought was pretty cool because normally street stocks in the summer go first race first yep. and, it's, and it's typically lighter out. So, uh, at that point, um, we got to race under the lights, which was my first time, which was pretty cool. And, uh, I actually won my heat race and I think my dad was probably racing as well. So we were splitting pit crew. My brother was with me and a, and a buddy of mine. And, um, I had had some issues with uh, the flex plate and the starter not engaging for a few weeks. And wouldn't you know, just before that feature race, that's when it would finally fail and and the car actually wouldn't start for me. So we're getting ready for staging for the feature. (laughs) 
and uh, you'd hit the, the starter ignition, and it would just grind. Oh, and it boy. would turn the motor over. So my brother, actually, my, well, my best friend who's a mechanic, um, told my brother to take one of the bolts from the starter out all the way and then loosen the other so he could actually turn the starter with his hand. And he held the starter. Oh, boy. So the car was up on the jack stand, um, and the cars were actually pulling out onto the track, and I was kind of panicking at that point. So my, my brother held the starter, um, and sure enough, it fired. So we got the car running, and they were calling, you know, last call for the drivers to get out there, and there was, you know, somebody making sure we, we got going. Um, he didn't have a chance to get the other bolt back in the starter, so I raced with the, with the starter basically just kind of free-floating in yeah. there, held by one bolt. <laughs> yeah. And the entire feature race, the car was sparking because the starter would turn, and it would hit the flex plate. Oh, sure. And it was sparks everywhere, so... Um, it actually held on when I was done. There was nothing left of just the starter gear itself. It was completely ground to nothing, but it's pretty cool because there was actually video. I think at that time, Rick Schultz, who hasn't been in Grand Forks for a few years, but, mm-hmm. uh, his, I think it was either his wife or his sister, maybe videoed a lot of the races. So, um, that, that video made it onto YouTube so I could watch. It was, it was pretty cool. What is, uh, for you, the hardest track to win on? I think Grand Forks just because of how quick the races go, mm-hmm. how, how fast the track is. Um, you know, you go green to checkered in, in a street stock or BMOD or any class, you're talking about just four or five minutes. Yeah, yeah. And that's not a lot of time if you start even eighth sometimes to, mm-hmm. to make it to the front. So I think uh, Grand Forks is, is probably one of the hardest tracks, especially with how many cars they get to on a regular, consistent basis. Do you have a favorite track? Um. Or if you're afraid you're going to piss somebody off, you don't have to say it. But no, I I, I love racing in Grand Forks. I, I think the atmosphere is 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 one of the best places that you can race. You know, the grandstands big, the billboards, um, you know, the 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 lap counter, all of it just adds to a really good experience. It's it's really enclosed, and I think that's kind of a cool atmosphere versus a place like Greenbush, which I love the surface. Yep, you know, but you're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. Oh, in the, yeah, out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, man, I haven't been to the Greenbush racetrack in a while. Uh, I'm just itching to get back up there again this next summer. Hopefully things get back to normal. Terry, do you have a, a, a favorite win, a biggest win in, in your career? Well, I'd have to say my, my, my best win, my biggest win was probably the 1,000-to-win Greenbush Race Park show a couple of years ago. Uh, it was big for two reasons. Number one, it was $1,000 to win. Mm-hmm. And I had been racing at that racetrack for, well, since, it's, since it opened up back in, what, the 90s? Yeah. And uh, had never won a feature there. And I've put a ton of laps on there, so that was pretty special. But uh, I've had, you know, over the years, uh, winning the Bemidji Stock Car Stampede, uh, won a B-Main at the Jamestown Stock Car Stampede, uh, won a feature up at Winnipeg uh, during their Northern Nationals uh, one year. So they're all big. Mm -hmm. Um, They're all good, especially when you don't have that many of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You kind of remember them all, but uh, yeah. Um, Aaron, do you ever get the inkling to, uh, like go out West? Uh, what do they got? The wild West shootout or whatever it is coming up. Uh, you ever get the inkling to do that? Or have you ever done that? Um, I haven't gone out that far West. Uh, we've gone to Kansas a few times. Okay. Yeah. Early, yep. early in the year. Uh, typically a lot of trips like that with work, it does eat up your vacation pretty mm-hmm, quickly. Mm-hmm. And it, it, sometimes it's a gamble with racing. You never know if you're actually going to get a race in with, with weather. So, sure. um, I do love to travel, but I, I would probably rather do, like, take a Friday off of work and go race somewhere new on a Friday and Saturday. Yeah, okay. Um, 
Man, that's that's more my thing. You know, a lot of people don't realize uh, you guys out here um, running bull rings all over the Midwest. Um, you do have jobs. <laughs> it's not like you're a NASCAR guy or a World of Outlaw guy, and you're 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 making a comfortable living racing these race cars. But you're human. You have a job. Uh, you have a girlfriend, and, and I, I think you have a dog or two. Um, but yeah, you have to burn up vacation time. And a lot of people might say, "Well, you know what? I'm I'm going to Florida on my vacation." Or I'm I'm going to go on a fishing trip. But like me, I used to have to nickel and dime my vacation to death to follow my kid around playing baseball and, and hockey and things like that. But basically, that's what you want, have to do, too, if you want to go on the road. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, we're actually just talking about, you know, weighing the pros and cons of do we save all of our vacation and, and have uh, an extended racing season or, or, you know, hit some different tracks in some different places? Or do we go to Florida, you know, in the mm-hmm. wintertime and... And enjoy the warmer weather. So yeah, um, race car drivers are not lake people. No. Um, in fact, the funny thing is, is some of the younger drivers that I've known throughout the years that I thought got out of it way too early. Um, I knew they could afford it, and I know how much time is involved with with keeping a, a team going. But they all said, "I want to start going to the lake on the weekends. I want to actually start to relax a little bit on the weekends." Does it ever bother you when somebody says, hey, man, let's go to the lake. Let's just go water skiing or tubing or fishing. And you say, no, I can't. I'm going racing. But I don't think that would bother you, does it? I don't like water that much. So (laughs) not a big deal, I guess. So you've never been in the drink at uh, Devil's Lake then? No. Okay. (laughs) Oh, wait, that's for Omdahl. We'll get to that at a different time. Um, A lot of people, it takes a lot of people to get this going. You, Terry, being invested in Aaron's car and your own car, do you go down to the pits and do you ever bark at these guys or say, look, you need to do this, that, and that, or you just kind of let them go on their own? Let them go. Mm-hmm. Yep, just let them go. I, I mean, obviously, with Aaron being my my son, I, I do try to give him advice from time to time. And sometimes it sticks, sometimes it doesn't. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he's he's proven himself yeah. doing what he does. So Absolutely. Who helps you on your car besides the dad? Um, I mean, do you have a, a crew that goes with you all the time or – it's just basically who you can pick up on a Friday, Thursday, Sunday, whatever night. Yeah, I've got a good amount of people that, if I need help, will come with. I made a lot of trips this year, just me and my girlfriend. So um, I think that's another reason why we like to keep our car as clean as possible. We mm-hmm. don't always have a ton of help. And, and you know, if you have to, to fix tin, you, you can't always make your car faster or better. But uh, I've got one pit guy who has been with me for a few years now. Uh, he works for a farmer, so spring and fall is typically pretty tough for him to help out. Mm-hmm. Um, he actually lives or lived in Crookston, just now moved, but uh, he would make the trip once a week and help change gears, wash the car, do regular maintenance. So it's huge to have people to help, but uh, uh, I've got a few other people Eric, in town. Eric, who he's talking about, actually was supposed to be my crew guy when I started the late model deal. Oh. And Eric came with me the first night with late model. And ended up working on Aaron's car, and ever since then he's been with Aaron. So okay, yeah, so I um, lost, lost mine. I just got a text from Ruth Ann, and it's actually not about Nick; it's about Zach. Ruth Ann, um, she wants to know about Nick going in the drink, but it wasn't him; it was Zach. Uh, <laughs> that was when they had the test in tune this year. Uh, Zach Umdahl, and he's getting it first year in a sprint car, you know, uh, coming right from go karts. But I wasn't up there, but. Um, Apparently, he ended up in the drink wow. at Test and Tune his first time going, taking laps. So uh, that's kind of funny. Sponsorship is a big deal. Uh, I don't know how aggressive 
or how aggressively you go seek out sponsorship. Uh, you'll see a lot of guys, and, and you're getting to that level now because you haven't just been doing this for a couple of years, but you'll see a lot of sponsors will stick with the same driver for year after year after year. Do you have that, or is it an issue with you to go out and find sponsors every year? And with the COVID thing this last year, I have had a couple of drivers on the show that didn't even go look for any sponsorship because they just didn't think these people were able to do it because everything is so up and down right now. But is is that an issue for you to find sponsorship? I actually haven't gone out and actively looked for sponsors for several years now. Um, I work full-time in sales, Mm -hmm. so I don't always want to just do sales all the time yep and uh you know i think i think partly with sponsors too you've got some obligation to race locally more um and i don't necessarily want to do that so i I like the ability to to travel and and anytime you go ask for money i I feel like as a business owner myself i get asked a lot if i can you know sponsor Mm -hmm. this or that and you know it's because I've been on that side of it, I don't always like to go ask for money. So sure. I've got people who have been on my car for many years. Um, it's more services or, or favors rather than just cold, hard cash. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, and if you want, throw out those sponsor names that are on your car. Uh, obviously, my dad at Fast Graphics, I haven't paid for vinyl for several years now. And, that, and that's huge, having several cars mm-hmm. and, and wanting to change up a paint scheme. Um, I do all my own fabrication work. So Lancer Fabrication, I build bodies for my my b-mod and and all sorts of um other cars chassis repair building bumpers so that that helps out a lot um one of my good buddies uh devin spears he his dad owns a, a repair shop so anytime i need a vehicle worked on fixed you know i very rarely see a bill for that so that's oh nice pennington fast lube and thief rural falls my street stock owner boomer patterson um he again helps out every year a little bit on on that street stock operation. That's Northern Acres. Uh, he's in Botano, North Dakota. Okay. And then my engine builder um, Frank Zuli has helped out a little bit in the past as well. Um, builds awesome motors, and uh, so that's Zuli Automotive. And then from there, that's that's usually what I have on my car. Now Lancer Fabrication, uh, building bodies, uh, things like that. You know, you would think it would just be these guys around here, but um, you actually have got your tin on cars all over the place now don't you i do yeah yeah uh where's the farthest away um i had this southern part of florida is probably the, the furthest and so you just ship the body parts or how does that work yep so i've got uh you know different shipping services that i reach out to for the best rate quote that's that's usually what kind of hinders a lot of people is is not having that network to to ship mm-hmm. uh, you ship a body that weighs 75 pounds and it's six feet long. Um, it gets awfully expensive and there's these big box places that, that, you know, have a better network or can ship freight a lot cheaper and it makes it harder for these smaller guys to, to reach those areas. But I've, I've been able to um, make some connections that have allowed me to, to reach different parts of the U S. So like the guys around here, do they just bring their car right to you and just say, build it? Or do you pretty much just give them the stuff and say, you build it. I already built this. You put it together. It goes both ways. Um, I've got a, a few good customers who have come to me several years in a row and, and want a new body put on their car. Uh, that typically takes me a lot longer just with my full-time employment and, and doing the fabrication stuff on evenings and week uh, weekends. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I've tried to make it as simple as possible for everybody. And I think my body panels fit really well. Uh, street stocks, for example, 
And I think once a guy gets one and, and tries to hang it himself, he's he's more likely to, you know, want to do it and mm-hmm. save himself a little bit of money the next year. You know, uh, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Uh, you're busy all the time. You're like, go, go, go. And uh, you, the whole time I've known you, you are uh, the, the same. Yeah. I mean, you, you don't, you guys don't slow down. Every time I, uh, you know, I follow you so much on social media. Uh, every, every time I, I see a different post, you're getting into something else or you're doing something more. And you, you guys just don't ever stop, do you? Yeah, it's, uh, I don't like to be bored for sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I, I've always been a guy that wanted to give as much as I possibly can to something I love, and that is racing. So because I don't have a big checkbook and I can't just write checks to people, I've always tried to be there to help them in some way or another. And uh, whether it's making a connection with somebody like Aaron's business or, you know, someone like you uh, with your podcast and this show, um, you know, connecting two and two. So I I try to be involved that way and give where I can. Okay. And, uh, you know, one of the dreams I had was being a car owner. And then obviously I wanted my driver to be him, Mm -hmm. but that didn't happen. That's okay. But we got a great driver now and a great family that we work with in Ryan Dahl and, and that's fun. So well, it's not. It it's not like your your life in racing is over yet. Uh, right. It still could happen. I, I wasn't going to let you get out of here without asking this: How did you ever come up with the grocery getter? Uh, one of my favorite cars that you drove, and it was a very competitive car. But if you people aren't familiar with what the grocery getter was, it was a station wagon. Tell us a little bit about this car. That was a car built by Dave Meyer, who um, actually cuts a lot of Aaron's bodies right mm-hmm. now. He's from Thief River. Yep. Um, he is a racer as well, races up in Greenbush and, and he built a station wagon one year and, uh, for some reason he didn't, didn't, he couldn't race it. I don't know if he was injured or what the deal was, but I ended up buying the thing and, uh, we put it out on the track and it was competitive right out of the box. Mm -hmm. And the funny thing about that car, it is the best car I've ever had hands down. Really? Without a doubt. Yeah. And I've had a lot of professionally built race cars, but that car, uh, it was, I had it, I owned it from 2006 to 2015, which is what, 11 years. That's a long time. And I never, ever changed a spring on that car. Wow. It, it worked great from the time I bought it and put it on the track to the time I sold it. And actually the kid that, that bought it is from Canada, uh-huh. took it up to Emo and won several races with it up there too. So that is, car is was, that car still on the track? Do you know? It is not, unfortunately. And okay. I have, I actually have had the opportunity to buy that car back and i really wanted to but uh i i just i think that time has gone and passed yeah uh i I was gonna say um for all the race cars between the two of you that you've owned in your career you could have yourself your own museum uh but wouldn't that be cool you know i think uh, my wife and i were talking about this not too long ago and i think i've had somewhere in the area of 26 to 30 race cars. Wow. Just in, on my own. So. Yeah. And, and you look at some of these NASCAR guys, you know, Earnhardt Jr. and some of those, and you, you'll see a lot of their old wreck cars and they're just laying out in the woods, you know, but I suppose, what do you do with them? You know, you yeah. can't keep a crumpled up, wadded up race car in a shop forever. But, um, wouldn't it have in that station wagon though? I mean, with the, the back end of it, I mean, visually, I mean, is it, impair your vision or the other drivers at all uh if it would have i was looking the wrong way okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so no it, it didn't it uh, you know a lot of people said well it it does so well because it's such a heavy car but uh that car never weighed any more than 
you know anybody else's car. Mm-hmm. It was always the same weight. The only thing that changed, the only difference was I didn't have the rear pillars. Mm-hmm. I had a roof that extended out past the trunk and then came down and went straight down. Yeah, so it really wasn't any different. It was really a Monte Carlo that just had a, a cutlass roof, just a little tweaked body on yep. it. Uh, how does it feel, Terry? Uh, I mean, to be known as a, a good race car driver, and now, uh, and and a lot of people have told me this. Uh, you're kind of like considered like an ambassador of dirt track racing. You ever get that from anybody? Because I've talked oh, to numerous people that, that say that about you. I, I guess I don't consider myself anyone special. Mm-hmm. Um, I have seen some posts where you know, people have said something like that. But, you know, for me, um, it's just what I like to do. Yeah. I, I, I'm a racer at heart. I've been around racing my entire life. I want to die racing, uh, being an owner or something. And uh, so uh, it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just, you know, I guess if I were to die tomorrow, I want people to remember me as being, you know, the quiet, the, the laid back guy. We're not partiers. You know, that's probably, mm-hmm. you know, we're not super famous because we don't do a lot of that stuff in the pits afterwards. We're just kind of go to work, do our job, go home and start to fix again. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, it's humbling seeing some of that stuff, and I appreciate that very much. But. You know, almost everybody out there, especially involved in racing, they'll, you'll be talking to somebody, you know, off record or whatever. Um, yeah, great guy, whatever, whatever, but, you know, there's always that little but, you know, what? And, and Is there something I need to know? Well, no, but no. That's, that's what I'm getting at here is you don't hear things like that about you guys. No. I mean, it, it, you guys are great guys. Uh, you've been a great guy since I've known you, and I can't say enough about you, Aaron, because um, not only and, – and you really get to know, you know, the 15 years or whatever I spent down at, at uh, RightOutCar.com Victory Lane, you start to get to know how these guys are a little bit, and then you get to know them more, and you go talk to them in the pits and stuff. But um, you guys are just – I mean, you're grade A guys. I mean, you are you're, you're, you are good for the sport. You really are, both of you guys. Um you ever appreciate, been? Appreciate that, but we're already sponsoring the show. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you ever been in one of those wrecks where you you hurt for like a month? I haven't. No, I've I've totaled out two cars now, and uh, neither one was was so bad that I um, was sore the next day. It's probably more adrenaline at my age still. Mm-hmm. I've got a lot of adrenaline while I race, so um, hasn't been that bad for me. How about you, Terry? Uh, a couple times. Um, there was one time in Grand Forks coming out of turn two, and this was with the wagon. Uh, I got spun in turn two or spun by myself. I don't remember that part, but uh, I was angled across the racetrack, and guys were coming on the on the accelerator out of turn two, didn't see me, got in the driver's door, and I remember my left leg being pinned between the bar and another bar or something. Um, that was That was a nasty one. The other one was uh, also in Grand Forks, hot laps of all times, coming out of turn four, and uh, for some reason my my car took a hard right and went into the grandstand and the water barrels, Mm -hmm. which had a lot of trouble this year too. Oh yeah, yeah. But uh, I hit those and went up into the fence and almost through the fence, and uh, that was a pretty nasty one. I didn't get hurt, but other than my, you know, maybe my ego at that time, Mm -hmm. but. that one I we know we made light of. The next week we brought to the racetrack uh, umbrellas and gave away umbrellas <laughs> in turn four. So. so have you ever been in a bad enough one where Tammy just says, you know what, I don't want you doing this anymore? 
You know, or would she ever she even would, say that? She may mumble it, mm-hmm. but she knows where we are. She knows the, the type of type of boys we are, and and I, I got to give kudos to her. She is the best wife, yeah. ever. Um, she, when we met thirty five plus years ago, she did not even know what racing was, mm-hmm. and our first time we ever met for real. I mean. And I had a conversation was at the racetrack in Grand Forks, and I remember watching her come across the pits and or the infield, and and uh, she she had so many questions. And I know she said she didn't like it at that time, but just the fact that she was asking questions showed that she had a little interest. And she has been right there behind us a thousand percent since. I mean, as a mom, as a wife, she has uh, done everything from. Providing lunches to babysitting dogs to lap counting and scoring and the whole thing. So she's been right there for us. So she's pretty cool. And and again, this is something we try to uh, prove a point on, on almost every Dirty Thursday show is uh, racing is a big family, whether it's your own family or not. But that's how it is. And, and there's a lot of people out there that go, I just don't get that racing thing. I just don't get what everybody... but. There's more to it, and that's another thing we try to prove on this show, is there's more to it than just showing up at a racetrack on a Friday night and turning laps. There's so many other things involved with this. Uh, one thing I do want to do before you guys get out of here, uh, I know you got to get back to Turf Town. Um, it, you want to go ahead and, and plug your businesses or do whatever you want to do on here before we cut you loose. That'd be great because uh, I know your businesses have a lot to do with your racing too. Well, for me, uh, like I said, I, I am the owner of Fast Graphics in Thief River Falls. We provide uh, everything from uh, small decals on cars, you know, whether it's Trump stickers or whatever, all the way up to full wraps. We just wrapped a, a trailer for a Lee Plumbing and Heating in Thief oh, River yep. Falls. So we do all that type of thing. We provide T-shirts and caps and, and all that type of thing. Uh, and then I also have a, a smaller business, which is a side of that is called racers consignment, motorsports consignment. We, as a pair buy a lot of race cars, whether they're used or whatever, or come across them in trade or that type of thing. We take a lot of used parts off the good quality used stuff mm-hmm. and, uh, put that back out for sale. Uh, again, I don't have a checkbook. I can write mm-hmm. checks to everybody, but you know, with racers consignment, we try to provide motorsports Parts that are still good and usable to racers who want to save a little bit of a little money, mm-hmm. and uh, so we buy and sell used race car parts at my shop as well. So, and uh, before I get to you, um, you used to actually did you used to have a rental car? Uh, a I did. Streeter, yes, I did. And uh, how was that for you? It was fun, but it was a lot of work. I bet. <laughs> I bet it was a lot of work. Um, it it uh, it didn't. You know, Aaron and I put that together. It was fun to do. It's fun to see a guy out there, but. The unfortunate part and a good part, the, the we had one guy that just loved to race it, and he raced it probably six, six, seven times, <laughs> and so nobody else got a chance to try mm-hmm. it. But you know, um, but it got to a point where you know I wanted to do the late model thing, and uh, uh, we decided to just kind of back out of that, and we had a buyer for it, and it went to Lisbon. So okay, and uh, got your last shot. Let's uh, plug uh, Lancer Fabrication or whatever you want to do here, Aaron. Yeah, so I guess I guess beyond just the street stock bodies or, or building, um, being involved with motorsports, uh, we, we build signs for a lot of the graphics installations that my dad does. Anything that can be fabricated, welded, bent, cut, um, you know, I do that as well. So not afraid to do some of that stuff. Pretty awesome welder too, by the way. Are you? Better than the one that welded up your first car? <laughs> yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, much better. <laughs> it's it's crazy. You know, he's not educated in welding. He didn't go to school for welding, but man, some of the welds he puts out are as good or better than some that I see out of professionals. So yeah, are you ready to go for the next season? No. What do you got left to do? Well, um, right away this fall, I start working on a lot of my customer stuff. So mm-hmm. I do a pre-sale on street stock bodies every year, and I've still got a, a tremendous amount of backlog on that. So building street stock bodies, shipping them out, um, working on customer cars. People want to get their stuff put away for winter, so I, I end up working on other cars in my shop before I can even touch mine. Uh, I, I basically have washed my car, and they're in the shop, and that's about as far as I've made it, so... Uh, I guess we'll see how far I want to dig into them, but it's usually March before I start working on my own stuff. Yep. Uh, you going to run two classes again next year? Likely, yep. Likely, yep. yep. Maybe see you in a late model next year? <laughs> I don't think that's in the cards for next year. Okay, okay. Uh, you guys, thank you for coming, making yeah, the show. awesome. Thank you. Uh, long drive, I know that. And uh, I'm really looking forward to next season. I can't wait. And um, hopefully we can get you guys back on the show again too sometime. But uh, there you go, Terry Blacklance, Aaron Blacklance, all on a dirty Thursday. Special thanks today going out to Integrity Fundraisers. You know what, if you're looking to raise some money, you know, maybe you're a school or a sports team or a youth group or a nonprofit, well, Integrity Fundraisers can help you raise those much-needed funds. You purchase personalized water bottles or mugs with your name and logo. They've got all kinds of laser-engraved drinkware. Barbecue sets, cutting boards, poker and golf sets, growlers, flasks. they got a bunch of ways that you can raise some money, all right? You know, um, with over 300 clients, including us here at Grand Forks Best Source, $3 million raised locally and over 390,000 students served. Well, they can help you to integrity fundraisers in the Grand Cities Mall. Call 701-402-2171 and let integrity fundraisers help you. Well, I tell you what, we're going to keep this father-son theme going on next Dirty Thursday. Jordan and Dave Adams going to be on the show. That's going to be a good one. Hey, we want you to become a Podbean Premium subscriber to a chance to win some great stuff. Easy to do. You search GFBS, you hit follow, you buy premium, and you are all set. And again, we're now on Amazon Music. Just tell your smart speaker to play GFBS podcast. And we're looking for those five-star reviews on Google, too. Ha, let's see tomorrow. Carrie's going to be on the show, and we're going to talk about the F5 project. It's a great thing, so make sure you tune in. And make sure you like, share, and tag us for Grand Forks Best Source, giving Grand Forks an identity again.